Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right, guys, welcome back to episode 20 is this 27 or 28 now almost 30 we'll put it that almost way. 30 episodes man i've been keeping it going uh we know the other week it was a little bit delayed but other than that we've been you know sticking to a good tuesday schedule and it's been fun uh we're continuing today tack by the way i'm your co-host pete douthit and this is tactical manager filippo silva from tactical manager i call him tack as a nickname a lot of people do how you doing man Doing good. We always forget to introduce ourselves, and it doesn't really matter. We we just we just always assume we're so famous. Everyone in the world knows us, <laughs> but we just assume that all of you know us, right? Doesn't matter who's listening. You can be all the way from Saudi Arabia, India. Doesn't matter. You know who we are. We're we're as famous as Hasbula would say. I am self-proclaimed as famous as more famous than Cristiano Ronaldo. Today we're going to continue our series, which we are doing previews for every single World Cup group all the way till the World Cup. We did Group A last week, so if you missed that, go ahead and listen to it. Today we're going to do Group B, and these analyses are not going to go well. This one might be a bit more, but usually we're not going to go into the tiny little details. What we're trying to do here is for everyone to know a little bit about every single nation in the World Cup. Okay, so today. We're going to go through Group B, Pete, which is probably the group that we know the best, right? United States, Wales, England, and Iran. So why don't we start with Iran? Sorry, sorry, not Iran, Iran. We want to start with England, the English yes. national team, because it's probably the most hyped one. So English national team, I'll give it to you first. Go ahead with England. Yeah, so England is, you know, um, in the middle of a very good generation of players, right? Better than they've ever had, in my opinion. Um, and you know, we saw them get to a semifinal in 2018, right at the world cup. And then at the euros get to the final, which is more can success. We, can we just add the context to, I love to talk about that part specifically, because that is one thing people bring up about Gareth Southgate and this England generation, but they have made it to a semifinals of the world cup in 2018, but they lost every single game they played against powerhouses every time they played a, they lost three games in that world cup right it was belgium twice right in the group stage and belgium in the third place and then croatia so every single elite team they faced 
they lost, right? They knocked out Colombia. And who was the quarterfinals again? Was Sweden. it Sweden? Sweden. So those are good national teams. But they only made it that far because they didn't clash with any of the elite teams earlier. And then the Euro 2020 or 2021. Also, real quick, they faced Colombia with an injured James Rodriguez. And they only beat them on penalties. Yes. Yes. There's that too. Um, and then the Euros, they pretty much played at home. They yeah. were also blessed with an easier bracket. If you look at the other side of the bracket, where Spain was, Italy was, um, I believe France was, right? They got knocked out early. Uh, it was a tougher bracket. And they got a bracket that, sure, you had Germany, but Germany was going through problems of their own. And they even had Joaquin Le leaving after that turn. So, sure, England had great accomplishments in 2018 and 2021, but that context has to be added to it. Doesn't yeah. take away, doesn't take away from what they did. But they did have luck, and luck's part of the game too. Yeah, no, for sure. And and like you said, that is why Gareth Southgate has been given a very long leash. Because what I was saying was that's better than England has done since Euro 1996. That's when they got to the semi-final, right? So you're talking about more than 20 years since they got to a semi-final, and then they did it twice at a World Cup and at a at a Euros. Now, again, I agree with you. This English team is better than ever. And yet somehow still overhyped, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I find so interesting about this team. And it's not that they can't be a very good team because they have so much depth in so many positions, right? The way that I see it is there's two main problems with this England team. And we'll talk about some of the players. A lot of people know them, but tactically, well, there's two problems. One, Gareth Southgate's preference for certain players and his tactical stubbornness. It's almost like you could take Greg Berhalter's name put it in that same sentence and it wouldn't change a thing, right? For example, we see him use guys like Harry Maguire, who he's going to live or die with, the English Aaron Long, right? Uh, you know, Luke Shaw. Those are just some of the a few examples of guys who he really loves despite them not performing. His preference for a back three with two holding midfielders and wingbacks and then leaves a lot for the top three. Usually it's Harry Kane up top who has to come play deep like a playmaker, and you've got guys like Saka, Foden, Sterling, Grealish, who play on those, you know, wing areas, even Jaden Sancho sometimes or Marcus Rashford. But this England team lacks creativity. They're very poor defensively, and they're very vulnerable on set pieces. Those are the three main weaknesses I see from this team. Yeah, they're very vulnerable anytime they switch a phase of play, right? When they lose possession, it's amazing how the recovery speed and this how disorganized it looks. And you talked about Harry Maguire. It's not that we just don't think he's a good defender, which I don't think he is. He's also very error prone. He literally makes mistakes that lead to goals, right? We talk about like, our, for a USMNT fan perspective, um, there's Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman, right? Personally, I do think I don't rate both very highly, right? Even Zimmerman, I don't rate him very highly. But Zimmerman's not error prone. Right, he doesn't make silly mistakes. We've seen that, right? At least not with the United States. Nashville fans, that's a different topic. Aaron Long is error prone, right? He does make mistakes that lead to goals in, in numerous occasions. And that is Harry Maguire. Um many things that Jack many things with Southgate that we've talked about so often. And we even talked about how there was an episode, I think, two weeks ago. I think that we talked about what we had to do to beat England. And I even made an episode out of it. We talked about this extensively, and it looks like whoever faces England, that left side of the field, their left side of the defense is where you exploit because 
the the wing back is going to be Luke Shaw or Ben Chilo, which are both defensively not that great. That's not yeah. their their strength, right? Um, some will argue that Ben Chilo is fine on defense. It's also not his forte. And then the other one, the the center back that plays on the left central center back position, there's Harry Maguire, which we've yeah. already talked about. So that is the way to face England. Maybe in transition, sending long balls through the right flank. It might be the best way to face England. Yeah, I mean, ideally, we would have Tim Weah there uh, with Serginho Dest, right? If what well, depends what happens with Gio Reyna. If Gio Reyna's fit and healthy, he'll start on that right-hand side. And if there's anybody that knows how to exploit a defense, it's Gio Reyna. We don't think that's his best position. But if he does line up on the right, it might actually work against England because Luke Shaw versus Gio Reyna, I would put all my money on Gio Reyna, right? Uh, if it's not wait, Gio wait, wait, Reyna... I have a question, I have a question yeah. though. I, I know Greg probably won't do this, but you'd much rather throw Geo Central and have Way exploit that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, I think it, you strengthen both positions. Geo Reyna can play on the wing because he's a good player, but you miss out on so much of his ability to break down a back line um, to just produce magic in the middle of the park when you're playing him wide. Plus, Tim Weah loves running at, at fullbacks, you know? So, and then you have Wea, and you could even have Wea, you know, there with Serginho Dest overlapping. And then you could have Gio Reyna on the right hand side of the dual eights positions to kind of help overload that left hand side of England, right? Because then you've got Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw worried about Gio Reyna, Serginho Dest, and Tim Wea. And that's a deadly combination from an attacking perspective. Also, I, I think one thing we didn't talk about England is their recent form, right? We talked about yeah. 2018, we talked about 2021. But we didn't really talk about 2022, where they played Nations League. They won no games. They won no games. They were relegated. To be fair, we do need to mention one thing. Their group in Nations League is better than their World Cup group, right? Yeah. They had Hungary, which has been in form and a very strong team. Italy, that despite not qualifying to the World Cup, still won the Euros and still probably would qualify in every single confederation in the world besides UEFA. And Germany, that's in the World Cup and is definitely a title contender. And funny enough, the two teams that are not in the World Cup were the top two of the group. It was Hungary, it actually was Italy, then Hungary, and then Germany third, and then England fourth. But England also only scored four goals throughout the entire Nations League campaign. And all of them were scored against Germany. Two of them were PKs. Yeah, two were penalties. Two were PKs. So... This is a team that the past six games has been really struggling against tough opposition. Like we said, uh, these are teams that are probably better than what they have in their group. But I think the main thing with it is it's not really looking into the results of Nations League. It's just how abysmal their performances was were defensively yeah. and in terms of creating and scoring, right? Yeah. 4-0 to Hungary in England, right? That was one of the results? Yeah, they lost 4-0. That's right. And and then the last game against Germany, I know you did a live watch along for it. It was 3-3. Three, yeah. three. I caught the game towards the end. That's sort of when England caught fire, right? They got those three goals. But it seemed like for all the games that we've seen, if England comes into the World Cup in that way, I don't think they're a lock to go through this group. I don't think they're a lock. No, they're definitely not a lock. They still have a very high chance because they won't be facing the same quality of opponents, but they're not a lock by any means. Well, and because this whole group is a mess, which we're going to talk yeah. about, we're going to talk yeah. about the other national teams too. Uh, England is a mess, but at least they have, they're stacked with talent. Then we're going to go to the other national teams that are also a mess and don't have as much talent. 
So why don't we transition from there from England? I think real it's quick also- though, can we just when we talk about teams, I like to like try to name their three or four best players, identify the weak points, which we've already done, and then one some young players. So Harry Kane for sure. Phil Foden. Phil Foden for me. Jude Bellingham for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um is really important to that midfield because he's not a creative midfielder per se, but he adds elements of creativity in his game. He's more of a box-to-box guy. He's not a pure 10. To be honest, if Southgate was smart, he'd play Phil Foden as a 10. And and just give him support, right? But we know Southgate's not going to. If do he that. was smart, he would also at least call up like James Madison to be an option. Yeah, not going to do that. He doesn't even. I don't think he's called him up since like before the pandemic. If I'm not no. mistaken. No. Uh, Phil Foden for sure. He's probably my favorite English player. Phil Foden. Yeah. Uh, different from the old school English style of play. A creative yeah. player, technical, amazing to watch. Um, I think Rice, even though I'm not a big fan. He's very important for this system, right? He is the he's probably the, the most aside from Bellingham, he's probably defensively protecting the back line, probably the most important player they have there. Uh and it was very successful when him and Calvin Phillips played in the year of 2021. But I do think Jude Bellingham is quite an upgrade from Calvin Phillips. I think those yeah, definitely probably, probably be the main guys. And I guess I guess for England specifically, Sterling is kind of important for Southgate. Yeah, yeah. Those are their main key players. What's weird is two of those guys are probably going to have young breakout sort of seasons. Jude Bellingham, I mean, I don't want to say breakout because he's been there for a while, but he's still very young. Is he just 19 still? He's, he's the same probably, age as He's like 18 or 19, yeah. Yeah, I, and then you've got Phil Foden, who's also very young. So yeah. I think those, in terms of young players to watch, it's for me, it's Phil Foden and Jude Bellingham. And then the next team we have here is a team that, Honestly, I don't expect them to get out of the group, but you never know in the World Cup. It, that's Wales, right? Yeah. Or England Junior, whatever you want to call them. Um, they're essentially a smaller portion of England. There, I hope. I hope we don't have any Welsh listeners. They probably wouldn't appreciate. I'm sure, that. they love you if they're listening. Yeah, they love. Don't worry. There's only like a hundred thousand of them. Okay, there's definitely more. <laughs> there's definitely more. I apologize for that. But Wales, Wales also has not been very good in 2022. But when you look into their Nations League, you sort of don't expect them to be that good like England. Like England was a legitimate like disappointment in 2022. Yeah, flops. Now, Wales is not a flop in 2022 by any means. They're a team that we expect to just come into the World Cup, bunker, play a low block, try to counter, rely on Gareth Bale um, doing something, even though we're going to talk about him for sure quite a bit here. Yeah, I don't know how good Bale can be in this World Cup, regardless of him turning up in the past for Wales. It's just not the same Bale, man. <laughs> it's just No, not. it's really not. And anybody who's watching him for both Wales and LAFC, you know, before the sort of war cry used to be terrible for Madrid, great for Wales. That's not the case anymore. Bale is, I think he's just hanging on until he, you know, goes to this like World Cup, because after this, I think he's going to retire from international football. Mm-hmm. And, I think he's going to just focus on club soccer and golf. And if you've watched him for LAFC this year, it's very clear his heart is not in it. And he didn't even come to LA for the money because he's not even a DP, right? He came on a TAM contract, which means he just wants somewhere where you can play golf year round, where the weather is beautiful and sunny. That's honestly how I read this. And, you know, a lot of Welsh fans, I made a video about, you know, Wales versus the U.S., uh, a couple months back, and a lot of Welsh fans got very angry at me because I suggested that this Wales team was past their prime. 
And it's like, they're like, oh, we went to a, a Euro quarterfinals in 2016. Yeah, that's when all these guys were in their prime, right? Joe so Allen. They're, so they're six years past their prime. Yeah, Joe Allen, Aaron Ramsey, Gareth Bale, you know, these guys are past their prime. And so this Wales team has some, a few interesting young players. God, we'll talk about them, but they're not the same talent level that was playing in 2016 or even in the Euros last year. Already on the Euros, you could see them definitely on the decline. And I'm glad that they qualified. But the only chance this team has of success is bunkering very deep and hoping for something on the counter. And to be honest, I don't even think Gareth Bale is the guy they're going to be looking to on the counter as much as it's going to be uh, Brandon Johnson, who I think is their most dangerous player right now. Yeah, and and maybe Bale set pieces. <laughs> That's a- yeah, Bale set pieces. And to be honest, if he plays more as a deep lying playmaker. Or, or like a striker who comes back. That's what he did in, in Nations League. He played as almost like a nine who would drop deep into midfield and then just try to orchestrate passes. But he's not going to defend. He's not going to drop back. He's not going to press. It's the Harry Kane rule. Yeah, pretty much. And so maybe he could be a threat there. But for me, Brennan Johnson, the Nottingham Forest kid, 21 years old, he's the one that I think is going to be a real threat for Wales. Yeah, they have also Nico Williams from Nottingham Forest that plays. He's a he's a right back, right? But I believe for Wales, they play him on the left. Yeah, they play him on the left typically. Yeah, and then Ethan Ampadu, right? Ampadu that belongs. Does he still belong to Chelsea? I know he went to Spezia. He's in, on loan. I, I think he's on loan to Salertina, either Salertina no, or Spezia. He went to Spezia. Spezia. Yeah. Yeah, and then. I mean, other players many might be familiar with is Dan James that played for Swansea, Man United, Leeds, and then now he's with Fulham. Uh, we know what Dan James is. He's a, he's a hustle merchant, right? He yeah. hustles. He's got some speed, but has a lot of technical limitations. I think that's yeah. the best way to put it. Ben Davies still- is probably their best player right now. Well, is he healthy? Well, I, I don't know if he's healthy right now, but in terms of the Welsh team, he's their best player. Yeah, it's definitely not the strongest Welsh team we've seen in the past few years. Uh, Aaron Ramsey, like you said, also passed his prime. He's playing, right, in France, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But he hasn't been playing with the senior team this summer. He hasn't been playing with Wales this summer. No. The, The one thing I fear of Wales is, regardless of what we think in terms of ability, this is a team that can bunker. And if they bunker, they will cause trouble to any team. It, they will be hard to score on. And unless you get an early goal against them and force them to open up and attack, it can become a problem for the United States. We could It could easily be a team where we just get a 0-0 draw. could easily be a team that they beat us in transition once and get a 1-0 win. So as much as we're talking about, it almost seems like we're downplaying Wales, and we're not downplaying Wales. We're just being realistic of who they are. Uh, with what type of team they are at the moment, but it is a team that we very much need to win. That's the first opponent for the United States in the World Cup. I think maybe even one of the most crucial, well, all games are crucial, but we really need to get a win in the first match. Getting a win against Wales in the first game almost puts us in the next round. We essentially need one more win or two draws, and then we're through. And maybe you can still go through with one more draw. Um. It's all about if we're gonna be, how the teams are gonna play against Wales. Wales is low block. As long as they can break that, this Welsh team is not the strongest. Probably maybe even the weakest one in the team alongside Iran on paper. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. One last guy I want to talk about is Kiefer Moore. He's a six foot eight center uh, center forward. Um, did score their goal against Belgium. In Got the, ourselves in the a Peter Crouch guy here. Yeah, he's sort of a Peter Crouch version. So if they can, if if he plays, I don't know if he'll start. Um, he may not actually start for Wales against in the World Cup. He might start one of the games. But late in the game, if they need a goal, I can see them putting him up top and telling guys like Gareth Bale, uh, you know, Nico Williams, Brendan Johnson, guys like that to cross it into the box. And hopefully we're going to have to find a Walker Zimmerman or somebody to track him. Or LeBron James. I mean, <laughs> the guy's like the guy's like the guy's like six, seven, six, eight. Pretty big dude. Uh, more of like a championship player, right? Um, scored a lot of goals in the championship in the past. Has like forty yeah. plus goals in the championship in in League One. So it's not more about it's not you're not worried about his quality. You're worried about the guy's height. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty okay. Much. So, so that's what it is. But everyone, before we continue and talk about Iran and the United States, we have a quick word from our sponsor of today's podcast, and that is DraftKings Sportsbooks. The NFL action is at full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking about touchdowns, big plays, and bigger wins than ever. Any new customer can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win $200 in free bets if they do. That is download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. That is TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game that's the code tbpn only on DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl so thank you once again DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast and make sure to use the code tbpn if you download the app we're not forcing you to download the app okay we promise we really aren't i did force pete but outside of that we're not forcing anyone else and maybe dustin too but and my mom but no one else i promise <laughs> and tactical dog <laughs> Yeah, but he has a gambling addiction. So, what's know. his actual name? It's uh, Rocky. Rocky. Okay, but he doesn't respond to anything, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't really have a name. It doesn't matter. So should uh, we talk about Iran now? We should. We should talk about Iran. Um, let me just put one thing here, and let's go about Iran. They had so talking about Iran is quite interesting because let's go with what's going on with them. They changed coaches. Right, they had Skocic up, and the coach that got them to the World Cup was fired, and they brought back an old friend of the national team, Carlos Queiroz. Right, that was the coach of uh, this cycle. Carlos Queiroz actually coached two national teams, right? Three now with Iran. They coach. He coached Colombia. That was a disaster. We're not going to dive into that. And then he coached Egypt, which we've looked into it and. It doesn't look like he did bad. It looks like he was a bit unlucky. He made it to African Cup of Nations final and lost to Senegal. And then to make it to the World Cup, he had to play Senegal on a knockout round. He got knocked out also, failed to qualify to the World Cup, was unemployed. And then there were the Iran, the Iran Federation elections. One of the promises of the new president or whoever's in charge was to make Iran great again, Pete. <laughs> That's what we heard. Essentially, um, that was what it was, yeah. Yeah, he wanted to make Iran great again, and he promised to bring Carlos Queiroz, and he did. He brought him back, and they played two games under Carlos Queiroz so far, two friendlies, and it was against Uruguay and Senegal. They defeated Uruguay 1-0, and they tied Senegal 1-1. Do you want to talk about those two games briefly? Yes, let's do that. 
Okay, so both games quickly, and I'll share my thoughts, and I'll give it to you right after. They got outplayed on both matches. And to be quite honest, to Uruguay, they could have lost 4-0, 5-0. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Taremi came off the bench, their best player, which we're going to also address very soon. He came off the bench and scored for them. Why was he on the bench? We don't know. We have some speculation on it that we can talk about that we heard from other Iran sources. And in the second game, they also got completely outplayed by Senegal. They should have probably lost 4-5-0. And when the Senegal finally scored, Azmun, their other star player, came off the bench and scored off a header. But they honestly struggled to press. They struggled with physical teams. They're not the most technical defenders or midfielders. I think they really rely mainly on two players, which is Taremi and Asmund. They do have other players to watch out for, but these are the two guys to watch out. And we do need to say that Asmund is injured right now with a muscle injury. And he's out for yeah. how long? Eight weeks? Well, it was, they said six to eight weeks. A calf muscle. He tore fiber in his calf, his calf muscle. So it's an interesting one because the thing about Carlos Quiroz is he doesn't want to play with two strikers which means even if he was healthy, he probably wouldn't play Taremi and Azmoun together, at least from the start. Which, to me, I mean, who am I to question Carlos Quiroz? You find a way to get your two best players on the pitch. If you have I to mean, go you to- lost 6-1 to Ecuador, so you can question him all you want. <laughs> if you get 3-5-2, you know, you can easily put it there. Uh, just find, there are lots of formations. 4-4-2 diamond, right? There are lots of formations where you can accommodate two forwards, but that's not really how Quiroz wants to play. So in some ways, this pretty much cements Taremi's role as their starter at the World Cup, which obviously he should be. And Azmoun might be back for the World Cup. He we, we he, it, he might not. We have to wait and see. You know, calf, well, any muscle injury really is tricky because, you know, you can easily rush it back and then have a problem. But I think it's fair to say, even if he comes back in time for the World Cup, he won't be fully fit. So he'll probably start on the bench with Taremi as their main threat. And with Taremi, and we've talked about this before, it's not that they don't have some other good players, right? They have a few others, and we'll talk about them. But if you can deny service to Taremi, then you have a real chance against Iran. Because to be honest, nobody else on that roster really jumps out. You, okay, there's Ali Reza Janbaksh, who plays for Feyenoord, right? Doesn't start for Feyenoord every game, but he's pretty productive. Comes off the bench regularly, starts some games. I think he has two goals and three assists in the Dutch league so far this season. So not bad. He's a right winger slash midfielder. Uh, they've also got this other guy, uh, Sade Morami. He's a right back. He plays for Dinamo Zagreb. He's been showing quite well in the Champions League. Uh, and then they have this guy who plays for uh, Brentford. His name is Saman Godos. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And when I say play, you know, he plays for Brentford, I'm using that quite liberally because he has 25 minutes total in the Premier League this season and 34 in the EFL Cup. So he doesn't really play for Brentford. He's a rotational player. Yeah, and Carlos Queiroz also has plenty of World Cup experience, right? So he was the coach of Iran in the 2018 World Cup where they didn't get out of their group, but they were very tough to play with. Portugal and Spain struggled. Morocco lost to them. And he also has experience from 2010 when he coached. He might have a. I remember him in 2010 because he played. He coached Portugal when they were in the same group as Brazil. So he was the coach of Portugal in 2010 when they lost in the round of 16 to Spain, 1 0. And they defeated North Korea, 7 0. I remember that. And we got world peace after that game. That, that's, <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> but he has a lot of World Cup experience. He knows how the tournament works, and we'll see. It, it's a the World Cup is different from any other World uh, any other World Cup from any other tournament. Uh, so, as we said, them not having Asmun um, should be a major blow for this national team. They got completely outplayed. They struggle with pressing teams. This is coming from many of the Iran experts we've talked to as well. Struggle with physical teams. So. Probably the main player to watch out for in this World Cup, I'm just going to tell everyone, is just Taremi, a guy that has had roughly one goal contribution per game in Portugal for the past two to three seasons. So yeah. mainly watch him. Asmun is a great player, but hasn't been playing much for Leverkusen. Outside of that, there's any any player that performs amazingly will be a surprise. Um, that, that, yeah. That's the way I see it. What's funny is when we talk about these national teams, is it it almost seems like the United States and England have the obligation to get out of this group. Yeah. They do. Yeah. The the talent disparity is England is a, is the highest, the USA is in its own group and then Wales and Iran are in their own department. Yet, we still could see a scenario where the US or England don't make it through or both. <laughs> who knows? Because both of them have stubborn coaches who play favorites with players who aren't good enough and they're tactically inflexible. They got a lifeline due to lucky results that they had at some yeah. point. Yeah. Um, but now let's move to the U.S. men's national team, which I think we're going to be repeating ourselves quite a bit with a lot of things we talked about. Yeah, but we're doing the whole group preview, so we'll just talk about this again. Who are the best players? Let's just start there. For me, it's Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, uh, Gio Reyna, if he's healthy. Tyler Adams. Um, and Tyler Adams. I think those four are probably the most key players for us. One of the strikers right now, we don't know who's going to start. Greg loves Jesus Ferreira. Pepe's been doing really well since he went to Holland. Sargent's doing well in the championship. PFOC is very unlikely to be there. But in terms of key players, it's Pulisic, Reyna, Adams, and McKinney. And for me, I'll say whoever starts in goal might end up being a very key player. Because Can I add one thing? I think yeah. A-Rob is a key player. He's not in the same quality as those, but just because of the backup situation. Yeah, there's no depth. So he's a key player in that sense. Yeah. By default. Sure. By default, essentially. Uh, yeah. I think mainly we have talked about all of our worries about this team. I think if anyone goes back to the past three pod, no, not the last one that we talked about Group A, but the one before that and the one before that, we talked extensively about Greg Berhalter's 4-3-3 system. The problems with it, who he's going to bring. I, I, the only thing we ask for U.S. men's national team fans is we all have issues with Greg, but the World Cup is here. Let's be optimistic of us getting through because we have the quality to do so. And sure, if we don't, let's go all in on Greg like we've always done, right? But until then, let's believe we're going to make through this group stage because we just talked about all the teams here. And outside of England, we're far better than the other teams on paper. And even England itself, they have a lot of problems that they're dealing with right now. And honestly, the problems with England, not the system itself, the, syst the, syst the system issues they have are different from the U.S. men's national team system issues. But they have similar problems to us of the stubborn coach doesn't really like try to build the team around his best players and, and doesn't change and seems clueless throughout games, doesn't know how to adapt and, and poor form, right? I understand the concern about the Japan game, Saudi Arabia game, but those are done. The World Cup starts in roughly 40 days. Is that what it is? Yeah, like 40, 41 days. 
So we're roughly, honestly, we're less than, we're a month away because the call up is in less than a month. The call up, right? Today is October 10th. We, our roster is out November 9th. All right. So Pete, before we finish it off, um, want to do a quick prediction for the group, even though we always kind of do it. We should do that in every episode that we, we do. Yeah, sure. Quick prediction for the group. Oh boy. I'm still going to say England first, USA second. Um, I just think the talent gap is, is large enough, especially between England and the rest of the group and even the USA between them and Wales and Iran. I still think the U S gets through. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the same as you, because the thing with predictions is you have to go with what you believe, which teams are best. And the best team in the group is England. They, these teams haven't faced each other, so there's no way to analyze how they're going to adjust to one another. So I'm going to say England first, U.S. second. I'll put Wales in third, and I'll put Iran in last. I think Iran yeah, will be same. last in the group. Uh, same. But everyone, just to add on to this, next week we'll be doing a Group C preview, which I'm actually looking forward to that group quite a bit. That That's one of the fun groups because we got Mexico, a team we know very well. We got yeah. Argentina with Messi's last dance, his last World Cup. We got Poland with Lewandowski, right? And then we have Saudi Arabia, which we already faced, and probably the punching bag of that group. No offense to Saudi Arabia, but that's they should be. be. They should be. So any final thoughts before we wrap things up and get ready for Group C next week? No, that's it. Again, if you just found us through this podcast, Filippo and I are going to be covering this whole World Cup on 11 Yanks, which is uh, the YouTube channel, 11 Yanks and Tactical Manager TV. So go find us, hit subscribe. We'll be doing live watch alongs, game predictions, group predictions, uh, post game breakdowns. We're going to have a World Cup happy hour every day where we talk about the games from the day, look back at what happened, analyze it, and then also preview the next day's game. So come check us out. We're going to be very busy during the World Cup covering the greatest sporting event in the world, in my opinion. So. Mm-hmm. And drop a review if you enjoy this podcast. If you didn't enjoy it, just don't do anything. Don't, don't <laughs> do anything. <laughs> keep your finger off the mouse. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't enjoy it, go curse on us on on Twitter, right? Just do yeah. it on Twitter. Come we're tweet at it. Give now. us your thoughts for sure. Yeah, but but let us know. Also, we're always open to suggestions of how to change uh, episodes you want to listen to. But right now, we're going to go through with all the group previews here on the podcast. And I know many of you appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening, you guys. See you next week.